Sermon number 645A, Realities of the Resurrection, preached in the First Presbyterian Church on Easter Sunday, the first service, April 22, 1973. Text is taken from 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, the 12th through the 19th verses. Several observations from the preacher on Easter 1973. We gather together on this glorious day, which is also the last day of Holy Week. I notice that more people turn out to worship on Easter when Easter is later in the year than when it comes in the month of March. And secondly, I have noticed the great multitude of people that have come today that once again we're beginning to see women's hats in church again. They're very beautiful ladies. And also it's a time like this when some of us are rather physically worn that we realize that services like we have known in this church this past week cannot be a reality without the hard work of many, many people. To all the members of my staff and to that great volunteer group that we have within this church, I think all of us owe our deep expression of appreciation, especially to this great chancel choir. I know I've said it before on other Easter's, but when you have these great colleagues in ministry proclaiming the great songs of Christianity, I personally am inspired by you many, many times. But it's when we've had a week like we have, and you've been here Thursday night and an hour and a half on Friday afternoon, and we're here this morning at 8 a.m. for rehearsal, and now being with us a part of this second great service. I express my personal appreciation, and I'm sure the nearly 1,000 that have heard you today here in this sanctuary and the countless numbers that are hearing you over the means of radio. This is another great Easter, and today, I read from God's Word as it is found in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, beginning at the 12th verse. Now, if Christ is preached as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified of God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. 
then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life we who are in Christ have only hope, well, then we are of all men most to be pitied. Words of the Lord spoken by an individual whose life was changed and whose influence was empowered because of the reality of the resurrection. Today is Easter. Today is the day when we decorate our sanctuaries with the beautiful lilies. When we process down the aisles, singing at the top of our voices, Alleluia. This is the day when in the beauty not only of song, but also in sermon, we proclaim again the resurrection. It's a great day in the kingdom. Yet, no matter how triumphantly we sound, yet no matter how longingly we pray and how intent we are in listening, there are still many people, many people in the world and probably some in this congregation this very moment who have not yet realized the reality of the resurrection. The reality of the resurrection is something that is not easy to comprehend. As a matter of fact, one of the realities of the resurrection, I think, is this, that resurrection is a terribly difficult concept for most of us to accept. If you here this morning, in spite of the inspiration of the hour and the glory of the song, if you silently feel on this Easter morning that it is very difficult for you to accept the fact of resurrection, maybe you can find some assurance in the fact that you are not alone. There are many people, in spite of what they say, who find acceptance of the fact of resurrection very, very difficult to accept. I don't know why this should seem strange to some believers, because it's always been that way. Disciples on the first Easter found it very difficult to accept the fact of resurrection. This is attested to by all three of the synoptic gospel writers. Matthew tells us that when the women went to the tomb that morning and found it open, they also received the instructions that they should go back to Jerusalem and tell the eleven disciples to go to Galilee to a particular mountain and there the resurrected Lord would meet them. And the women did exactly as they were instructed and the disciples went to Galilee and sure enough, as 
directed and as predicted. The resurrected Lord faced his eleven remaining disciples. And it says there in the 28th chapter of Matthew, the 17th verse, that they fell down and they worshipped him, but, but some of the disciples doubted. The disciples, those who had been with him for three years, eating with him, listening to him, knowing him as well as they knew their own flesh and blood. They had a hard time on that first Easter morning accepting the fact of the resurrection. Mark tells us that when those particular women went to the well or went to the open tomb, that it was Mary Magdalene to whom Christ first appeared. And when Mary ran back to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples that Jesus is alive, I have seen him, I have talked with him. It says that his own disciples would not believe it. And later on, it says in that same particular book that, that when the particular two men who were walking along the road to Emmaus had seen Jesus. And though they did not recognize him at first, later they did. They ran the whole seven miles back from Emmaus and they appeared in the presence of the disciples, hopping and popping, saying that they had seen Jesus. And it says there that the disciples did not believe them. The other synoptic gospel simply says that when the women, Mary, Joanna, and the other Mary, who you remember was also the mother of James and John, two of the disciples, when they came back from the open tomb and told the disciples all that they had seen and heard, the disciples would not believe them. That means two of the disciples would not even believe their own mother. <coughs> Instead, it says that the disciples heard their words and thought them to be nothing more than an idle tale, for they did not believe them. On the first Easter, the first disciples found it very difficult to accept the fact of resurrection. And, and that's the way it's been for many on Easter. Many years later, this is the way that Paul found it when he tried to preach about the resurrection. Last October, with some of you who are here this very hour, I climbed with you those slippery, hewn-out ancient steps that are carved through use up Mars Hill, right there in the center of Athens, Greece. And you'll remember there at the top of what was then known as the Areopagus, we read from the 17th chapter of Acts, which is the sermon which Paul preached there to those great philosophers of that then modern intelligent citizenry. And you'll remember that on that day and in that sermon, he mentioned the resurrection. And it says that while some Athenians believed, others mocked. And then in the 28th chapter of Acts, you read also 
that Paul, giving his testimony, explaining the reason why he had such new power and why he had been converted and changed 180 degrees in his thinking, was all due to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When he is telling this to King Agrippa, that at Caesarea, Felix, one who was standing by and listening, he says, Paul, you are mad with insanity talking about such a thing as resurrection. It was true the first Easter, and it's been true on many an Easter, that it's very difficult for disciples to accept the fact of resurrection. That is why some of these popular theories which have been fabricated are easier for some of us to believe. Because by nature, you know, we are people who would rather disbelieve than believe. We would rather distrust than trust somebody. So consequently, these have great appeal today. One of them has been in existence for nearly 2,000 years and is still proclaimed by one religious group. You read about it and its origin on that first Easter day when you recounted that through the unison reading this morning. The story being told and concocted by some that Jesus was not resurrected from the grave, but rather his disciples came and stole his body and took him away. There are some contemporary authors who have built upon the idea that Jesus really was not resurrected at all because he never really died. No, on the cross he merely fainted, and when he was placed in the coolness of the tomb, he was brought back to conscience, consciousness, and he ran away and escaped and, and died someplace later, just like every other man. Oh yes, you see, even today, in this Easter, it's very, very difficult for people to ex accept the fact of resurrection. I know some of you cannot accept it, because I've heard you say that you cannot accept it. And I understand, because I too know what it is to stand beside an open casket of a loved one. And it's not easy to look into that open casket, is it, which contains what we call the remains of a Christian father or mother or husband, or wife, son, and daughter, brother, or sister, and look at that dead, quiet, still, breathless, blood-drained body and believe that someday that person, that person will be resurrected and live again. That's hard to accept. I don't care whether you're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ or the resurrection of some Christian loved one. The reality is still there. Resurrection is hard to accept. That's one reality of the resurrection. And the second one is that there is absolutely nothing more that God can do and say to give us even one 
itsy-bitsy more of proof of the fact of the resurrection. Everything that God has ever been able to imagine and create to help us to accept resurrection, he has already revealed unto us. There is no more proof. He's given all of it to us already. I know some of you are saying right now to yourselves, oh, if, if Jesus Christ in his resurrected, handsome, muscular, tall body would come through that door right now, Ah, we would believe in the resurrection. Would you? Honestly now, would you? Because you see, that is exactly what he did on the first Easter, and still those disciples didn't believe. John tells us that Mary Magdalene was there in the garden. And the resurrected Lord was standing right in front of her. But she thought him to be the gardener. <laughs> and she didn't accept at first the resurrected Lord. Those two men walking on the road to Emmaus, suddenly there came one who started to walk with them. Now it's seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and for seven miles, step with step, shoulder to shoulder, Jesus walked with those two men. <coughs> and they did not recognize him as the resurrected Lord. It says that later that night, the disciples were in the upper room and Jesus came and stood in their midst. He was right there. They could see him with their own eyes. They could hear him with their own ears. He was right there, but they would rather believe that their imaginations were playing tricks on them and they thought they saw a spirit. And Jesus tried to convince them that he was no spirit. He says, look here. Here are my hands and my feet, touch them, hoping that in touching them they would realize that no spirit has flesh and bone. And Luke tells us that some of the people, with fear and yet wanting to believe, yet filled with wonderment, they still disbelieved. And Jesus was standing right there. You really think that if the resurrected Lord came through that door right now, you would believe in him any more than those disciples who saw him standing before them, beside them, right in front of them? No. You're not going to have that opportunity anyway, because you see... God already has done everything that he can do 
to prove to us for our acceptance of the fact of resurrection. That's a reality. And there's nothing more that God can do to try to give us proof so that we can accept resurrection. The reality of the resurrection can be accepted only one way. We must do it the same way that the disciples on the first Easter accepted it. And that is by what we call faith. By believing in the resurrection. That's how we accept it. That's the way the first disciples recognized, knew, saw, and believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It says there in the good book that when these individuals who went to the tomb early in the morning were reminded of the words which Jesus had said unto his disciples, how when he was still in Galilee, how he predicted and said that he would have to be delivered into the hands of unlawful men, how he would have to die, but on the third day he would rise again. When those women remembered those words which are today in what we call the Bible, the Scriptures, then they began to believe in the resurrection. It says also, you know, on those two, about those two men on the road to Emmaus, it was when Jesus began to interpret the scriptures unto them that they began to believe. When Jesus, beginning with Moses and the prophets, began to show how he himself was a part of the scriptures and the fulfillment thereof, they began to see him as the resurrected Lord. When Jesus sat down and with his own hands broke bread, which, by the way, is a terminology we use today to explain Bible study and Bible teaching, the bread meaning the bread of life, the holy word of God. When Jesus broke that bread of life, then and only then did they recognize Jesus as the resurrected Lord. It was in the upper room, <coughs> not when Jesus swallowed the broiled fish that convinced the disciples he was the resurrected Lord. It was instead when they had their minds opened and they were able to understand the scriptures. That is when they were able to believe that Jesus is the resurrected Lord. That's the only way resurrection becomes a reality, when you, are be a when you are able to believe in the words which Christ, before and after his resurrection, spoke, and also those words which were written by individuals who were slow, but yet nevertheless eventual believers in the resurrection. We have those words right here in the Holy Bible, in the scriptures. You either believe them or you do not. But it is in believing them that's the only way 
resurrection can become a reality in your life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Shall never, never ever die. As Paul says, let us not put our trust in ourselves, but in God who raiseth the dead. There's only one way that you can accept the fact of the reality of the resurrection. And that is by faith. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. That's a reality. There's one more that I would like to add, and that is simply that there never, never will ever be any power in a person's life, the power that God wants to be in your life and mine, unless first we have a belief in the resurrection. We learn that from the disciples. Those disciples, you know, those individuals who on Friday were so frightened and scattered when Jesus died upon the cross that there were not even enough remaining to form a full complement of pallbearers for the one whom they called Lord and Master. Saturday we think those big, hawking, brave fishermen spent all day weeping. On Sunday night we find them behind closed doors that were locked for fear of the Jews. And then, slowly, because of belief in the word of the Lord, they had the power of the resurrection. And within six weeks we find them going out, turning the world upside down. Now not afraid to die, but only hoping that they could die for their Lord. A reality of life is that an individual cannot live with power unless first he has learned how to accept death. And you cannot accept death with any power, unless you have a belief in the resurrection. As Paul says it in writing to the Corinthians, if Christ be not risen, if you believe not in the resurrection, your faith is in vain, you are still in your sins, and those who have died in the Lord, they have perished. You see, it's only when you have already made up your mind and you believe in the resurrection and that there is no sting in death and that the grave has no victory that you have what those disciples of the first century have the power of the resurrection but if you go through this life without a belief in the resurrection your faith becomes merely a farce you spend all of your time not living as a forgiven individual but playing games trying to justify your existence and you leave cemeteries and you say goodbye instead of till we meet again. And there's no power in your life and you are a person only to be pitied. You can't have power 
in this life unless you have a belief in the resurrection. But if you believe that because Christ liveth, so shall I live too. So the real reality of the resurrection is simply this, that Jesus Christ was resurrected on Easter morn. That is a fact of history. There's not a thing you can do about that. Whether you believe it or not doesn't add to it or subtract from it. That is a fact of history. <coughs> but if resurrection is going to become a force in your life, it'll have to be because of your faith. Because only you can allow the resurrection to be a fact in your life, and you do that by faith. And when you have that faith, ladies and gentlemen, then not only today, but every day is Easter. Because you can live knowing that because he lives, you and all those who have died in the Lord shall live forever. And we shall see each other. <laughs>